everybody. I have got another guest on for you today and you know that I love having guests on and this one is no exception. Today's guest is the lovely Vadrine. She is on Instagram at vanilla underscore vads. Of course, that's going to be in the show notes below. And Vadrine is a marketing strategist and business coach and she helps specifically virtual assistants and service providers create recurring income, take their business full time, scale their income, all that good stuff. She actually approached me on Instagram and she wanted to she wanted to uh, she wanted to join the podcast. She wanted to come onto the podcast is what I'm trying to articulate and speak about human first sales and intuitive marketing. And immediately she had my interest. I thought these are two topics that we haven't necessarily spoken about in that exact terminology on the podcast yet. And I know that you listening want to be able to sell confidently and feel natural when you sell. And this is definitely the kind of approach that Vads takes in her business as well when it comes to selling and marketing her services. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about how to actually sell in a way that is empathy led. So empathy based sales how to market your business in a way that actually feels good to you rather than following the rules that you think you have to. And we also speak about lots of different other topics like networking, how to actually get referrals from clients and lots and lots of good stuff. So let's dive straight in and meet Vats. So Vads, before we clicked record on this, you were telling me about your backstory and how you came to be a marketing and business strategist and coach. So I would love for you to share with everyone what that was like, because it was quite an interesting journey for you. Yeah, it was uh, crazy. And when people ask me, this whole thing happened when I lived in London and I was in law school, people asked me the relationship I had with London. And I always say love hate because I went to law school and I enjoyed studying law, but I felt this huge disconnect with like society and, you know, what we're conditioned to think we're, we're meant to become at the end of it. And at the same time, I had started uh, a blog back in 2014 and I, I got my first client quite accidentally through my blog. And so I was kind of living this double life where I was in law school, but also just starting to run my own business. And my business was taking off. And so the two sides really conflicted um, to the point where I went through quite a few kind of difficult times, difficult um, um, experiences. But at the end of it, I decided, you know what? I love this work. I love marketing. I love the online space. I am going to do this full time. And it wasn't easy, but uh, it was a huge kind of just following my gut, following the, the fire moment, as it were. You mentioned that your business was taking off and you were in law school, which yeah. most people know, even if you've never been to law school, is quite a, uh, a daunting task, like lots of work, really high workload. How, what do, you, what do you kind of attribute to being the catalyst for your business taking off the way it did? Or what sort of things did you do that you think, right, this is what made it quote unquote take off? Yeah, I think it was a very conscious choice because you're right law school was incredibly difficult and a heavy workload, but I decided that I was going to give it 50, 50. I could have said, I'm going to focus 90% on my degree and then 10% on my business. But I chose to give it 50, 50, meaning I would study and then go off and write a blog, right? I decided this was how much I wanted to work for a client. This was the clients I wanted to take on. And then 
this was the time I would spend doing the degree. So I don't, I don't know if there was any one thing, but it was rather because obviously it, it was, it, it, it's a whole um, combination of things that, that ends up, you know, with going full time, but it was a conscious decision to do the law degree 50%, the business 50%, focus on getting clients, mastering my skills um, to ultimately have the choice either way once I, once I got to the finish line. I like that though, the 50, 50, because you know, no, you normally hear people say, I gave it my hundred percent and you're like, I gave it 50%, yes. <laughs> but I like that because it's a good balance between if you do have a full-time job and then you do have another job, it can be really hard to strike that balance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll be honest. I could have gotten a better law degree. I, I, I won't even hide the fact that I could have done better in my law degree, but sure. I made the choice that that was a sacrifice I was willing to make because was I going to get a better degree? and sacrifice my business, which I loved, or was I willing to, I got a great, I got a, a two one, right. Which is great for me. And I was happy with that. So I got my degree could have been better. Yes. But I also ended up with a business that I was really happy with. So, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I love to hear it. So now you coach VAs and service providers and you help them scale and grow their business. So you were talking to me previously about your human first sales approach, which I really love the idea of because as we know, a lot of people, and I have spoken about this on the podcast before, you know, people have a lot of misconceptions around sales, but the fact that people are listening to this means they want to learn how to sell and grow their sales confidence and be able to sell more easily. So what's the human first sales approach and how can people use it in their businesses? Yeah. I love talking about this because as you said, there's, so many misconceptions. And I feel like the first thing people say when they start their business is I have no idea how to sell myself. Right. And mm -hmm. the fear behind that is the fear of being too pushy of forcing someone to give up their money, right. Of, of sounding inauthentic. We always want to, we want people to like us. Right. And we fear that if we're selling something, people don't like us. The old used car salesman analogy as it were, but the human first sales approach puts people first and it puts service first. So we talk a lot about cold marketing and people are afraid of people pitching them in the DMs and uh, cold email pitches. And I, we've all experienced these things. But with human first sales, we focus on this human being behind my screen or, you know, yes, because we're online behind the screen. What is their life? What is going on in their business? What are the problems that they're facing? What are the goals they want to achieve? And then there's, there's two possibilities. Either I have something to offer them and if I do, it's absolutely my duty to offer it to them because they've shared that they've got a problem that I can help or I can't help them. And if I can't help them, I don't pitch. But it's that idea of being curious, of listening, of putting that desire to serve above the desire to just make money because we can. That kind of human first sales approach sounds like it would be really great on sales calls and in DM conversations, like more of a one-on-one -on -one kind of capacity. What about using the human first sales approach in your content, how does that look like compared to your typical sales approach? I think it translates really well. So yes, absolutely DMs and discovery calls when you're having an in-person conversation with someone. But I think a good example when it comes to content is people will be familiar with the pain point marketing, right? Um, uh, if you're experiencing this, then you must do this, right? This, it tends to be quite... Um, copy and pasty. Some people find it quite aggressive. 
But when you're using human first sales, you're speaking, first of all, in the language of your ideal clients. Your storytelling is a huge part of it. Um, and it follows, it does follow the PAS formula, which is problem, agitator, empathize, and solution. But it's done in a way that is unique to you. It's done in a way that is compassion driven. It's not um, a copy and pasted template because it's you using language of someone else that you should use. So there is a bit of market research involved. There's quite a bit of understanding your ideal client, but I do think it translates really well. So a lot of people, when they first start selling, they feel very nervous. They feel very unsure about themselves. What was your first experience like when it came to marketing and selling your business and speaking about your services to people? Yeah, so I was really lucky because for the, like, the first year of my business, I grew my business on referrals. So selling in quotes felt easier because I'd already built that trust in my community. So I, people were coming to me already aware of the skills and the services and were more, I guess, ready to buy. But at the same time, I was experiencing people pitching to me and I was experiencing sales being done to me. And I thought, hold on, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel human. And then once obviously you get to the point where your referrals kind of dry down a little bit and you have to put dry out, you have to put yourself out there. I realized that a lot of what I was taught about sales, whether it was through, you know, society experiences and now on the online space, I just didn't enjoy. And I felt good in what I was offering. Like that was the core of it. I loved what I served and I knew that sales ought to feel good. It ought to feel exciting. So I guess I combined everything that I knew about sales and figured that if I love my service, I'm just going to talk about my service. So in a way, I've always been pretty confident with it because I said to myself, I love my service. I love what I do. I love how I help my clients. Let me just make that sales, you know? Yeah. And how did you come and come to find your own style of that? Um, because obviously, you know, we've had experiences where we've been sold to, as you said, you felt this is gross, don't like it. And then you found that human first sales approach. What was your first introduction of that first human sales approach? Do you remember where it came from, when you experienced it? I can't pinpoint an exact moment. I know that it's also in another sort of area. It's called empathy-based sales. I've heard people call, you know, come up with the concept empathy-based sales. I think it was through all of the investments that I made in all of my coaches over the years and all of the templates and in quotes scripts that I bought um, and through trial and error that I kind of came up with, okay, the name didn't come until much later on, but the concept was always there. It was always, I'm connecting with people. I'm serving people. And I saw cold DMing and I was like, rather cold pitching. And I was like, that's not authentic sales. I saw scripts where, you know, the whole getting right into the, the conversation after two messages and saying, Hey, I think you'd be an awesome fit for my program. And that wasn't authentic either. And then I guess I reverse engineered and I was like, okay, what is this thing that I'm doing? Okay. I'm connecting with people. It's human first sales. But to answer your question, I cannot remember like an exact moment. The exact moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just find it interesting when people tend to have this sort of transition from 
okay, I'm selling via these scripts or I'm selling via what my first coach ever told me or what I heard online to I'm going to do it my way and it doesn't have to feel disgusting and I don't have to feel pushy. And I think sales has that massive misconception, doesn't it, around you're pushing an agenda on someone, you're selling to people that don't necessarily need what you have to offer and you're trying to convince people, which is I think one of the biggest tropes around sales is you're trying to convince people to buy from you. You mentioned yeah. referrals earlier. Did you have a process around the referrals or do you have one now that you, that you, cause I know a lot of your clients are, are VAs and service-based businesses, right? So do you have a process that teaches people how to increase their rate of referrals? Yeah. So I'm a firm believer in powerful networking. So, and there's two sides to that. There's a strategy of networking. There's a, the mindset of networking. If you want to build a referral system, if you want to grow your business by people knowing that your business exists, which is ultimately the end goal for everyone, you have to open your own doors. You've got to get yourselves, yourself in the communities. So I believe in really powerful marketing and uh, sorry, networking. And that's how I got my referral um, network at the start of my career. And I still build it now. I guess coming back a little bit to the subject of the scripts and the outreach, I don't think scripts necessarily are a bad thing because with a lot of the, the VAs that I work with, they've never had to market themselves before ever. So I do offer what I call scripts as more guidelines and suggestions on language. And in that I do teach um, buyer psychology and how to have conversations in order for people to be able to build communities and build networks. So when it comes to a referral system, it's first of all, having the mindset of, I want to grow my business. I have something really awesome to offer and I am worthy of being in those rooms and then finding the rooms to, to be in rather. So starting that, that networking process. And how do you find those rooms to be in? Social media. The online space. So I'm a three of the main platforms that I teach are Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook for community building. LinkedIn, for example, at the moment is really hot right now, especially because we have some thoughts about how Instagram is going right now with the algorithm and all of that. But LinkedIn, <laughs> LinkedIn is a really cool place to be on right now for business. If you understand SEO in a very basic sense, in the in in the sense that you know what your ideal client's keywords are you know what to put in to look for the people who would be the right community for you. I mean, I'll give you a little tip right now. If your ideal client is, let's say, a beauty blogger and you type in LinkedIn in the search section, beauty blogger, you'll have a million people come up, if not hundreds and thousands of people who are beauty bloggers. Hello, ideal client. Start connecting. Start networking. It's literally as easy as that. It's going on social media, being very conscious and aware of who you're looking to connect with plugging those words in and saying hi love it yeah and I think it's so good to put yourself out there a lot of people wait for leads to come to them and sure leads can come to you but if you're constantly relying on other people to make that first move then you're giving away your power visibility is so key making connections is so key Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. You spoke about intuitive marketing when we were connecting in the DMs. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear about what that looks like, what that means. Yeah. So like with all of these kind of concepts, there's a lot of nuance in it. But the idea came about when I did see a lot of cookie cutter strategies being implemented. I saw a lot of copy and paste. I mean, this may be a little bit 
I guess controversial to say, but I see a lot of people become their coaches. I'll see a coach and then I'll see tons of little people, you know, very minions. much like that. <laughs> little, little minions, yeah. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to be um, a coach that created copycat versions of myself. With intuitive marketing, the foundation is this. There are key proven marketing strategies that have been developed over decades. The idea of intuitive marketing is we learn these strategies, we understand them, we understand why they're the way they are, how to implement them. And then we take your unique skill set, your experience that you've had so far in your career, your values and your goals, and we use what works to grow your business. It's basically a triage process, learning all of it, or as much, you'll never know everything, but as much of it as possible that applies to, let's say, growing a virtual assisting business. And then we take out what's not yours and we build a business model. We build a growth strategy based on what is going to work for you. I'll give you a tactical example. A lot of people right now are saying video is king, right? Which is true. Video content is very powerful, but I work with a lot of service providers who are introverted. They don't want to show up on video and it doesn't come naturally to them. It feels fake, but they're very powerful writers. Cool. What platforms are out there that you can be creating visibility on that are solely based on writing? LinkedIn, for example, having a blog, being writing articles for other um, publications. So yes, the rules are there for a reason because it's working, but is it going to work for you? And that comes from that in- intuition, that gut instinct, that natural experience, that natural skill set. How do you know, because this is something I found really interesting, both in personal and business life, and there's often a crossover in both anyway, I find, what is your intuition or what is you holding yourself back from reaching your full potential? It's hard to know. It's really hard to know. It really is. <laughs> it's the million dollar question. I'm like, please tell me because I want to know for myself. <laughs> it's a lot of self-reflection it's a lot of just sitting with yourself I know this is going to sound really woo-woo but say it it's sitting with yourself and just thinking about it like it's journaling on it it's writing it down so you see it in front of you and you think okay and and asking yourself the question is this real like is this based in actual actual truth for example I don't want to do video is that because I'm incredibly afraid of what other people will think. That can be traced into into a limiting belief. Oh, what are other people going to think? They're going to think I'm worthless, I'm a fraud, et cetera, et cetera. Is that true based on past experience? We can kind of work through that. Versus, hey, I've just never been good with presenting. I, I have no interest in video. Like, it's okay if you're not interested in it either. My experience, I've always been in public speaking. I've always been in performing. So video comes naturally to me. If I were to tell someone, oh, just do it. It's a limiting belief. It's an excuse. That's not being true necessarily to their lived experience. I cannot say that. It comes with deep reflection. It comes with, and that's something that no coach can do for you. No one can give you the answer to that. You've got to sit with it, sit with yourself and ask the hard question. Am I actually making an excuse here? Or, hey, I'm really not interested in it. And that's okay too. So it's hard. It's hard. It comes to the energy behind it almost is what you're describing, right? Like if someone's like, oh, I don't want to do it. And there's just resistance behind that and fear maybe behind that. 
and versus do you know what I actually don't want to do it and I can think of a better way for me to do it and it's it can sometimes come from the space in which you're saying that and the energy behind what you're saying but yeah it's really interesting what does that look like for you then what is it what does an intuitive marketing approach look like for you and your business I know you mentioned the fact that you enjoy video public speaking obviously you're on a podcast so you're very comfortable with that kind of thing what other examples uh what other ways have you uh, used this approach in your business yeah so I had um I had a blog before I was even uh in the service provision space so writing has always been a pretty strong skill set for me um when I decided, this is a good example, when I decided I was going to start coaching, that was also a big intuitive decision because yeah, I could have continued, I could have gone on to build an agency, I could have hired more team members, but I had to decide, do I want to grow as a team member? or Do I want to grow as an expert, as a leader? And those terms can come off cliche sometimes, but it's true. You have to sit with yourself and, and make these hard decisions on how you would like your career to go. And I think that was an intuitive decision I had to make. Um, and that then came with having to decide how, how was I going to grow? What marketing strategies was I going to use to grow a coaching business? I had to slow down with my blog a little bit. I had to learn. I had to invest in how the hell do I create a course? Like, how do I, you know, um, uh, run mastermind programs and things like that. So that was an intuitive decision that led to a marketing strategy that would grow my business. So as I said, there's lots of nuance in it, but ultimately it all comes down to at the end of the day, listening to that pull and then finding what's going to work for you to grow your business based on that. For sure. And sometimes I think that if you force yourself to do something that you just genuinely do not enjoy, or you're like, all right, I'm going to post on TikTok five times a week. And you just hate TikTok as a platform and it's just not for you. And you set this goal that you probably won't do because you don't enjoy it. Versus if you actually said, right, do you know what? I really enjoy writing. I really like LinkedIn as a platform. I'm going to focus my energy there instead rather than making these empty promises to yourself. I actually have a really good example of intuitive marketing in action. And I see this all the time with virtual assistants and social media managers. It's in regard to the topic of niching. A lot of VAs will come into the industry and they'll be given this most profitable list of niches. Eight out of 10 times, six months down the line, I will meet these VAs and service providers and they will be scratching their heads trying to figure out what niche to pick. And yes, niching is a very, it's a proven, it's a, um, an amazing approach, tactic, strategy. But we are not taught the nuance. We are not explained the different types of niching that you can that you can go into. But people are stuck thinking, I need to niche in an ideal client when what they actually want, when what they're telling them, what their intuition is telling them, hey, just don't. Just focus on some services. Just work with a few types of clients. But they fight that intuition because of what they've been told, because of the rules. So that's a really awesome example I always find of, Hey, if your intuition is telling you don't do it, don't do it because what you are saying, it's going to feel forced. It's not going to work. It's just going to burn you out at the end of the day. I think a lot of people get very confused, not only just necessarily at the start, although especially at the start, I would say in terms of they've been told this, you have to do it this way. This is the way it's got to be done. And being able to try it maybe for a little bit and then think this is actually isn't working for me and this doesn't feel good to me. And not being afraid to 
give something yeah. else another go. I think yeah, to pivot. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, to make up your own rules as you go along. I really like that. So, Vads, this has been great. I would love to know if you had to start your business all over again, completely from scratch, like tomorrow, what are three things that you would do to build your business up again? Love this question. Um, First of all, I would get on LinkedIn sooner than I did. And I would, obviously LinkedIn has a lot of uh, corporate energy. People often feel that LinkedIn is too serious. It's, It's too... I guess corporate is the word, Um, but I would learn as much as I could about LinkedIn and get into it ASAP because it's a really awesome platform, really great for connections. There's that element of humanity that we were talking about, but people also understand that it's business and that's not a bad thing. So I would get on LinkedIn right away. Um, I would, I didn't do this early on, but I would do it now with hindsight, invest in understanding how to create offers because that's a huge thing. How do I build an offer that people actually want? How do I price this offer in a way that's strategic? So in the first, I guess, year of my business, I kind of won it. Is it wing it? I winged it. I winged it. it. Winged it. You winged it. it. (laughs) (laughs) um, Oh, gosh. And rather, I listened to what other people said about how I should be pricing, et cetera. So I would learn how to create really awesome offers and, um, and pricing. And I would invest in mindset work. So a huge thing that holds a lot of people back and that did hold me back was call it limiting beliefs, call it childhood trauma, call it whatever you want to call it. I would invest in a mindset coach to heal all of that first and then come into the space of business because I invested in a lot of this healing work. I've done several modalities kind of halfway through my business and it unlocked something that had I done it earlier, it would have been such smoother sailing. So those are the three things. Get on LinkedIn ASAP, invest in understanding how to build offers and pricing to really suit your ideal clients and then do the mindset work. I was vigorously, vigorously shaking my, uh, nodding my head rather as you were talking about the mindset work because it is huge and so much comes up as soon as you start a business, I find. And it's a mindset game. I really think it is. Uh, So yeah, 100% agree. I love that advice. That's how can people find you, work with you, all the good stuff. How can they find you online? Yes. So I am obviously on Instagram. You can find me at vanilla underscore Vads, V-A-D-Z. I am on LinkedIn and Facebook. At the moment, I offer two mastermind programs. So I do help virtual assistants and service providers start their business, go full-time, officially enter the entrepreneurial space. And uh, the other tier of that is I also help establish service providers scale to 5, 10, 15K months. So um, I do run these mastermind programs. If you'd like to get in touch, have a chat, I'm always in my DMs and uh, always ready to chat. Amazing. And all of those details, of course, as always, will be in the show notes as well below. Bads, thank you so much for coming on High Impact. Love chatting with you and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me. See ya.